Hey everyone, it's Todd. Just in case you missed it, I've been doing these live shows on Fridays. And you can check them out by going to getvocal.206geek.com. That's G-E-T-V-O-K-L dot 206geek.com. They're live on on Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern. And um, they get saved there on the website. And they also get simulcast on on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, so if you're already following the podcast, you should be able to find the videos there. But if you want to be a part of the live show, you can by going to that, going to getvocal.206geek.com on Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific. It's getvocal.206geek.com. And if you're not able to because of work and or other obligations, it's okay. You can check out the recorded episode on the same site. They're going to be there in the previous episodes or past episodes. Um, I don't know if I'll ever post those episodes here, although I might. So stay tuned and check it out on Fridays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern. We should, like, go and, like, hang out with Todd. <laughs> Whoa, it's Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's even cooler than we thought. <laughs> Boys, I'm looking for a fella who goes by the name of Todd. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's cool. <laughs> Todd would make, like, a good manager or something. <laughs> <laughs> Todd roll. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the 206 Geek Podcast with your host Todd, the 206 Geek. Yes, I'm your host Todd, the 206 Geek, and this is another episode of the of the 206 Geek. Shit, and I don't know, um, been experiencing some technical difficulties today with my podcasting gear. Um, the dock that I have my my. Uh, iPad plugged into decided that one of the channels wasn't going to work anymore. Um, but you know, I'm still able to able to record with the current setup. I just can't like, um, with the current setup, I can't do like, um, record, record calls from my phone, which I was able to do before. Not like I did that a lot, but it sucks either way. So I, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and like upgrade to a newer dock. Well, newer to me, it's I think I found one online that's used that will function the way it's supposed to unlike this one. Um so I don't know, I may hold on to this one for a bit and use it for um as a backup device, I guess. I don't know. So, you know, check this out. So, starting on uh, I think it's the 10th, which is in a couple days, as of this recording. Stupid mouse. Let's see here. Looking at the... Trying to look at the clock as I'm waiting for my computer to respond. Yes, so as of this recording, it's tomorrow, Friday the 10th. I'll be doing a live stream of the podcast on a website called Get Vocal. V-O-K-L.com. G-E-T-V-O-K-L.com. Now, if you want to go straight to my profile on there, you can go to getvocal.206geek.com. That's G-E-T-V-O-K-L.206-G-E-E-K.com. Take you right there. And on Friday, tomorrow... At 4 p.m. Pacific, I'll be doing a live show. And online, so you don't have to worry about being around other people if you're kind of worried about social distancing and all that. It's all online. And it's this new system, this new this new site that I've just been introduced to. And um, it's basically set up in such a way that you can do a live show and people can join you. And I don't know if I'll have people hop on that are listeners. You never know, I might. 
but that's and that's cool. And I'm going to be doing this every Friday for the next four weeks on uh, GetVocal.com, G-E-T-V-O-K-L.com. And you just go to that website and search for the 206 Geek, and then uh, you can find it that way too. So check it out tomorrow, Friday the 10th. I'm going to be, I'm recording right now at like, what time is it? It is 3.23 a.m. on Thursday. <laughs> um, and I figured, you know what, I'm going to do like a, a bonus episode for this week on, on the, the normal feed. And it, you know what, I might, I might just go ahead and post the, uh, the get vocal recording later on here. But, um, that setup is going to sound different, um, because I'm having to use my computer I could do it on my phone too, I suppose, but um, I don't know. I, I I like using this mic, and it makes it makes my voice sound really nice. And if I use like the onboard mic on my phone or my computer, it just doesn't sound right. And I don't have a setup right now. I'm getting one though. That's another thing I'm doing. I'm because I'm doing this. I decided, you know what? I saw this um, this device that allows me to connect my studio mic set up into my computer, which I thought was like, oh, that's amazing. Um, and it, and it's, it's a it's a device designed for streaming, so that's even better. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing this. I'm, I'm really excited, actually, to do this. I just, I'm, I'm just praying that, uh, you know, I don't even know. I'm hoping, let's put it that way. I'm, I don't pray. I'm not, I'm not a religious person. I'm hoping that, um, I don't have any problems with the internet, uh, when I do this. Cause the last few times I've tried doing a live stream, it just didn't work out for me. So hopefully crossing fingers that things will go well on Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Getvocal.com slash channel. Slash 206 Geek. That's G-E-T-V-O-K-L dot com. Um, yeah. Uh, so today, things I wanted to talk about. Let me move my mic up here a little bit so I can look at the screen. I have a few things to talk about. Uh, the big thing is, like, they found a new, uh, a new actress to replace Ruby Rose on Batwoman. Um, we'll talk about that. And then we have a story about the Lost Boys series. And I've talked about that before on the podcast, but I guess there's a new update on what's happening with that. And, uh, we have a, they're, they're doing a reboot of the Wonder Years with Lee Daniels in the works at ABC. And then we have the 10 best bat suits Batman has worn in the movies. So we'll talk about that. I'm sure that Christian Bale is going to be at the top of the list. <sighs> God, this sucks. <sighs> Todd, don't be an asshole. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, boot that. All right. All right, next story we're going to talk about is the Umbrella Academy face the apocalypse again in this new trailer for the, the Umbrella Academy. I remember watching this on Netflix, I think it was last year, a year before. It's taken them a while to actually do this, I think. And finally, it's finally coming out. And it looks like Sylvester Stallone is not done with John Rambo just yet. So we'll be talking about that as well. And then we have a story about Ready Player Two, the sequel to Ready Player One. I just saw that today, and I'm like, oh, I need to talk about that. And then we have uh, we have a Wonder Woman 1984 promos images. See Gal Gadot in flight. So I'll check that out and kind of give you my thoughts. And then the final story I have here, Dante Bra Dante Basco, 
reveals Rufio origin movie in the works. In case you didn't know who Dante Basco was, he was Rufio. <laughs> um, so let's get into this, man. All right, so the first story was new Batwoman star. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to probably butcher her name, and I'm going to apologize up front. Javika? Javicia? Leslie. Okay. That's the woman's name who's going to be playing the new Batwoman. She's she's not playing Kate Kane Batman Batwoman. She's playing a different Batwoman. All right. So Batwoman got a major a major status quo change on Wednesday when it was announced that uh Javicia Leslie, I'm I'm assuming that's right. I apologize if it's not, has been cast as the series in as the series new star going into season two, Leslie will be taking over the series superhero role from Ruby Rose, who departed the show shortly after the season finale earlier this year. Fans have already had a pretty profound reaction to Leslie taking on the role, with many acknowledging a significant excuse me, acknowledging the significance of a black openly bisexual actress playing such a beloved character. Leslie echoed that sentiment in a post on her Instagram account, sharing screenshots of the announcement with the caption, for all the little black girls dreaming to be superhero one day, it's possible. I, for one, am, am, am excited to see how they do this. I know, I, I you know what, I'm going to see here. I don't know... Oh, that's why she looks familiar. Okay, 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 okay. So, uh, I knew she looks familiar. I thought maybe she was one of the love interests from season one, but it's not the same actress at all. This woman, um, Leslie, known for her roles in, in on God Friended Me and The Family Business, will be portraying an entirely new character named Ryan Wilder. Ryan is described as likable, messy, a little goofy, and untamed. She's also nothing like Kate Kane, a woman who wore the bat suit before her. With no one in her life to keep her on track, Ryan spent years as a drug runner dodging the GCPD and masking her pain with bad habits. Today, Ryan lives her, her life lives her hold on today Ryan lives in her van with her plant a girl who would steal milk for an alley cat and could also kill you with her bare hands Ryan is the most dangerous type of fighter highly skilled and wildly un, undisciplined an out lesbian athlete raw passionate fallible and very much not your stereotypical American hero. I don't know. That sounds awesome to me. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this new Batwoman, and um, and it, I think it's going to be awesome. You know what is 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 awesome is is Ruby Rose was as Kate Kane. I think I think Leslie here is going to elevate the the character of Batwoman to a whole new level. I think that um, hopefully we'll see um, maybe a change in the costume because it's a new Batwoman or maybe they'll keep it the same. Although I would really like to see a different a different costume. Kind of like, you know, how in like the first, actually pretty much every season of The Flash has a new outfit. They change outfits every season. So I'm hoping that's what they do with Batwoman. I hope that... I mean, hell, I think they even did that with with the uh, with Arrow. He upgraded his outfits every season, especially as the show became more popular. They had a bigger budget, and um, I'm 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 excited to check it out. You know, it's it's uh it's always cool to see. Uh, well, maybe it's not always cool to see, but I think it's I think it's this is going to be good for the show. 
I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to like it. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> All right. The next story was the Lost Boys series reportedly aims to keep the essence of the original film. I recently, I recently watched the two sequels that went straight to video, straight to DVD back in the day. I think it was like 2010 and 2013. And to be honest, they weren't that memorable because about 10 minutes into each movie, I kind of checked out. (laughs) I was like, okay, this is just an excuse for, uh, Corey Feldman to talk like this when he and he's trying to do it. He almost sounds like he's doing his best Christian Bale Batman. Although he was doing kind of that voice in the original movie, but he was a teenager back then, so it was it was a bit more like okay, I can see a teenager doing that as an adult who's probably in his at the time that these movies came out, he was in his early early to mid forties. It seems you know just you know. Vampires, that's how he's talking. So it's just like, no, dude, come on. I don't know. Maybe I'll try watching it again and just try it and and make sure I have no distractions. Because I was just like, I was, I quickly started futzing with my phone or browsing the internet on Facebook or whatever, and I just I lost my interest almost immediately. Um, I don't know. They they had some cool like Easter eggs in the in the second of the two. Um, sequels. <laughs> but uh, let's see what it says here. The CW's, the CW slate for programming has ro- rotated pretty wildly over the past decade with beloved franchises and new stories making their way onto the network. One constant over the past few years has been the network's attempt to adapt The Lost Boys, the beloved 1987 film, into a TV series. The project has gone through multiple iterations over the past few years, and it sounds like we have a bit more insight into the latest versions of the uh, Gerard G. Uh, Tom Mac McMahon, a musician who has attached to write and arrange songs for the series. Recently spoke. He recently spoke about his vision in an interview with Sci-Fi Wire. Okay. It says here, he quoted, I'm sure it's going to be torn down by the hardcore fans. There's just no way this show can win, Mac explained. But it wasn't designed for the hardcore fans. It was basically trying to keep the essence of the what the film... Uh, trying to keep the essence of what the film projected. It's a reimagining and it's an adaption of the film because of all the characters. It's a reimagining and and it's an adaption of the film because all of the characters are in place. Cast-wise, it's more diversified in coordination with the times as it should be, Mac added. It's a little bit more female driven in this in its in its way. Uh, Mac, who performed and co-wrote the original movie's iconic song, Cry Little Sister, was brought on to craft new music for the series and dove into it a bit of what that would entail. They were adamant, obviously, about my theme song just because you can't have the show without that. Mac explained... With this, I've certainly pulled together a very modernized version of People Are Strange, and that just, uh, and then just creating contemporary but cutting edge stuff that is appropriate for the show. And there are just going to be other artists on the soundtrack as well. At the moment, it is unclear what the future will ultimately hold for the Lost Boys series with network president Mark Pedowitz. <laughs> That's an unfortunate name. Um, I just... Pedowitz. I don't know. I just... It, you know, I... Yeah, I don't know. It just... It just it, 
I'm sorry. I, 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 you know, I, I just, it just, I don't know. I'm sure he's a nice dude. I just, I think that the last name just, he probably got teased a lot for it is, is kind of what I'm getting at. Okay. Mark confirming earlier this year that the project would once again be rolled, meaning that it will be reevaluated for the 21-22 season, as Mac put it. The decision to scrap the pilot and start over, as well as the production shutdowns due to the coronavirus pandemic, have put a lot on pause. It's stuck in limbo, even though they agreed to all the new script writing and all of that. Mac explained, it's hard to know it's day-by-day thing for these shows when you can go back in and shoot they were starting to go back and it looked like they would go back into production and then everything shut down. I don't know. I, I'm hoping I'm hope I have, I'm hopeful for this show. I've talked about it before on the podcast, um, a couple different times over the past couple years. I think the first time I heard about it was back in like 2015, I think. Because I remember, I remember talking to my then co-host Joe about it, and we had a good chuckle over it being a, on a CW show. So, well, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. I mean, because with everything else being kind of like in limbo right now, it's hard to see if 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 something new is gonna is gonna happen or not. Let's see here. I'm putting things in the notes as I'm going along here. Let's see. Lost Boys. Okay, got that. All right, next story. The Wonder the, the Wonder Years reboot with Lee Daniels in the works at ABC. All right, so The Wonder Years is getting a revival, or excuse me, getting revived by ABC and Empire creator Lee Daniels. The new series will shift the focus to a black middle-class family in Alabama, but it will still be set in the same 1960s era as the original show. During the height of the civil rights movement, the rap reports that Wonder Years original series star Fred Savage will both direct and executive produce the new version of the series, and co-creators Neil Marles... Marlson will return as consultant for, on the reboot. The official logline for the new series, uh, the new Wonder Years, is below. Quote, How a black middle-class family in Montgomery, Alabama, in the turbulent late 1960s, in the same era as the original series, made, sh- made sure it was the Wonder Years for them, too. Let's see here. The new Wonder Year series already has a pilot production committed for, uh, commitment from ABC with a mini writers room set to go to go one set. Oh God damn it! I hate when this happens. With a mini writers room set to go one a pilot script. Okay, I'm, I think it's supposed to be once a pilot script is approved. That's what kept tripping me up is. Set to go one a pilot, and that didn't make sense to me. Okay, it's supposed to be once a pilot script is approved. Uh, Saladin Patterson, FX, FX's Dave, will write the pilot with Daniel's production company member Mark Velez, also executive producing. Let's see here, it says, The Wonder Years original series was very popular during its run from 1988 to 1993, is centered around is centered on Kevin Arnold, a man telling stories from when he was a boy, played by Fred Savage, growing up in an average, unspecified middle middle class American town during the turbulent era of the nineteen sixties. The hook of the series was its unique upended up ending of the standard sitcom formula as the 
as the older Kevin Ar- Arnold's narrator provided an adult's deeper reflection and often ironic humor about the, his childhood experiences. The Wonder Years has been copied many times since its since its run. In fact, ABC's The Goldberg is basically a version of The Wonder Years set in the 1980s. Yeah, I can see that now, actually. All right. Says here, no doubt this new version of The Wonder Years and its shifted focus on a black family and themes of civil rights will become yet another cultural lightning rod in these current divisive times, since the Black Lives Matter protests of night of 2020 have become global a global phenomenon. Hollywood, Hollywood has been one place where there's been a pronounced movement to increase focus on diversity and telling diverse stories. Look at it. Look at it cynically or not. This new Wonder Years seems like a easy pool for Disney slash ABC to dip its toe into as it will be a comedic and lighthearted enough to serve as a family show while delivering a timely message and a snapshot of history and radical progression that many will be looking at again. No word when Lee Daniels, the wonder years will air. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Um, I loved The Wonder Years. That show was on um, during the years that I was in high school. I graduated in 91. And uh, so it went like a, a couple years after I was done with school. But it, I liked the show. It, it, I, it, for me, it was, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I couldn't relate with a lot of the, the, the 60s era stuff, but I, I dug the show. I kind of... Identified with a couple of the characters, and some of the things kind of carried over into the seventies. I think, as far as the types of things they were showing, seventies and eighties. Because I was born in seventy one, so I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing it. All right, so the next story I have here is this uh, story on heroic Hollywood: the ten best bat suits Batman has worn in the movies. All right, so. Okay, number 10, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Okay, these are these are including animated movies. I thought this was going to be live, all live action. Okay, that's awesome. I'm glad this. First up is a relatively new addition to the cinematic Batsuit collection. The just as Justice League Dark Apocalypse War delivered a cosmic take on the Dark Knight after he was forced to join Darkseid. The the shocking reveal came later in the film when it showed Batman sitting in the Morbius chair wearing a black and red set of New God-style armor. Readers of Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok's Dark Side War will definitely recognize that imagery. The new costume says goodbye to the cape and says hello to a striking red bat symbol on his chest. There's also plenty of red detailing in the armor, which makes it stand out even more in Darkseid's throne room. While it's crushing for the Justice League to see a broken Batman like this, his new look is undeniably incredible. We we won't spoil why, but it's a shame we won't see that suit again in the animated movies. At least it was fun while it lasted. You know, I, I I need to rewatch that one. I I did watch it, and I don't think I was paying attention because I don't remember much of that movie. <laughs> it's a problem I have sometimes. Is I'm like, I'll start watching something, and then all of a sudden my ADD will kick in, and I'll be like focusing on something else, and the next thing you know, I'm not paying any attention to the movie that I initially started to watch, and I'm like, what's going on? So I I have it. I just need to go back and rewatch it. Um, number nine is Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. Since we're sticking with the red and black color scheme, as we look at Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, in in this 
excuse me, is this just an excuse to talk about Terry McGinnis? Absolutely. The Batman of the future's slick new look was an instant hit with fans as Bruce Wayne developed it to keep fighting as he got older. But once Terry donned the suit that Neil Gotham had a dark night once again. Return of the Joker is an animated masterpiece, and Terry's Batman suit has never looked better than when he's fighting the revived clown Prince of Crime in the factories towards the end. The simplistic black and red look is stunning. Also, how cool are his is his wings? They're perfect. They're the perfect futuristic futuristic replacement for the cape. The suit also fires batarangs from Terry's wrists, enhances his strength, and he can even bend into the Neo Gotham sky. Excuse me, blend into the Neo Gotham skyline thanks to its camouflage setting. If you haven't seen Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, we highly recommend it. I do too, actually. That was a great movie. Um, number eight, Val Kilmer. Our first live action bat suit on the list on this list has to go to Val Kilmer's Cape Crusader from Batman Forever. Sure, Joel Schumacher Joel Schumacher's films feel like a little dated at times, but they're fun they're a fun take on the Cape Crusader compared to the darker modern versions we're used to. Val Kilmer's Batman dons a couple of suits here. In the f- the first evolved from Michael Keaton's costume into a slick black armor with a bulkier, bulkier yellow logo. And it's perfect. It blends right in with this hit this camp hyper stylized version of Gotham. Then there's the sonar suit, which comes with a whole set of new toys like rocket boots, a sonic batarang that Batman controls using the sonar lenses in his cowl. Sure, including two different bat suits in the film was a great way of selling toys, but it also helped show off Batman's evolution from the Michael Keaton era. Okay. Number seven. Batman by Batman Gotham by Gaslight. We're going to take we're going back in time for this next bat suit. With the stunning adaption of Gotham by Gaslight, this Victorian era Batman done a steampunk style look as he hunt for Jack the Ripper throughout his city. His costume features a gray undercoat with a chunky black bat printed on the chest. While the gothic cape has a large collar surrounding his cowl, which also has a pair of goggles built into it, don't worry, because this is a Victorian version of Gotham City. Okay, just because this is a Victorian version of Gotham City doesn't mean the Dark Knight is without his gadgets. He's still got a grappling gun to help him swing through the murky alleyways. It definitely comes in handy during his fight with the Ripper on board an airship. He's even got steampunk batarang, excuse me, a steampunk bat bike that gets delivered to him by three orphans called Dickie, Jason, and Timmy. After all, every Batman needs his Robin. Even in the Victorian era, sure. It's slightly bizarre. It's a it's a slightly bizarre look for the Cape Crusader, but it works brilliantly for this Elseworlds Elseworlds story. God, I can I can talk. I really can. I actually really like that one. I was shocked by who the Ripper was. I I I thought I had it figured out at the beginning of the movie. I was like, well, this is clearly this person, and I was so wrong. I liked it. I liked it a lot. All right. Now is usually when I have like a a a uh, a break for uh, for advertisements and stuff, but I think I'm gonna forgo that on this episode of the podcast because um, right now I don't have any sponsorship, but I'm hoping that will change soon. So I may 
at some point add them later as an afterthought and I'll probably just kind of slip it in. But for now, this it's not going to happen. So I'm going to continue reading this. Number six, Batman Under the Red Hood. Batman Under the Red Hood, the death in the family storyline. Um, see here. The death in the family storyline to life before focusing on its consequences in a pitch-perfect way. And it also delivers some classic depictions of the Batsuit as Bruce faces the realization that Jason Todd might have returned from the dead. We see a a flashback of the duo's war on crime. It shows off the gray costume bearing the yellow bat symbol with the iconic um, black cape and cowl. In the modern storyline, Bruce has updated his wardrobe a little, ditching the yellow symbol for a simple black one, as well as donning the dark blue cape and cowl. An honorable shout out to go an honorable shout out goes to the design of Jason Todd throughout the whole movie too, as Robin costumes oh excuse me, his Robin costumes and his red hood look are all incredible. Sometimes sim- simplicity works best. And it works it works it works a treat through uh, through under the red hood. Oh boy. Okay, number 5. I'm sorry. I'm 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 just kind of I'm because I'm getting tripped up on this person's writing. I'm it I'm I'm feeling a bit self-conscious. <laughs> I'm trying to read this without any, like, ums and pauses and just sounding like I can't fucking read. (laughs) Okay, number five is Michael Keaton. When we're talking about bat suits, we obviously need to talk about Michael Keaton's brilliant suit from the Tim Burton's Batman in 1989. From the very first moment, he surprised the criminals of Gotham with his cape-held held high it was a brilliant translation of the dark knight from the page to screen as well as a perfectly matching the gothic tone of Burton's Gotham City the hero's yellow belt and chest symbol contrast contrast perfectly against the suit the all black body armor was the first truly modern version of the costume in live action and it truly set the bar for for every future take on the bat suit, we can't wait to see how it gets updated if Keaton does reprise his role as the older Bruce Wayne in Ezra Miller's The Flash. Dude, I, I when I first heard that he was going to be coming back as Bruce Wayne in The Flash, I was like, yes, thank you. Oh my God, that's awesome. I'm hoping we also get to see Terry McGinnis in that movie, so... We'll see, I guess. Um, Number four, Nightmare Suit. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is is a fairly divisive movie amongst fans. But one thing most people agree on is how insane Ben Affleck's suit in the future Nightmare timeline looked. The post-apocalyptic take on the Cape Crusader was a stunning alternate bat suit, Affleck's Bruce swaps the cape for a long duster and adds a pair of combat pants as well as a scarf to cover his nose and mouth from the wasteland of Darkseid's Earth. Also, how cool do the flight goggles look over the top of his cowl? Okay, sure, carrying a gun breaks Batman's all-important one rule, but this is is a world corrupted by dark side, filling, filled with parademons and ruled by an evil Superman. Let's be real, the gun's pretty necessary. The gun's pretty necessary in that timeline. Who else is hoping to see more from Batman v Superman: Nightmares Future and Zack Snyder's Justice League next year? I don't know. I when I first heard that Justice League was getting the director's cut for HBO Max that got me excited cuz I was I was disappointed on so many levels with the 
the theatrical release, and I'm really hoping that we get to see a much better story with uh, Snyder's Justice League. All right, number three. Number three is The Dark Knight Returns. I, I, I don't know if I've seen this one all the way through. I think I started watching it and then quickly got bored of it. But this is what it says here. DC saw the chance to adapt some of their most iconic graphic novels and one of the most iconic tales from Frank Miller saw an aging, grizzled Batman. Oh, so this is talking about the comics. This isn't talking about the, the live-action movie with with Brain. Yeah, God, thank God. <laughs> that fucking sucked. Um, the Dark Knight Returns is basically what... Um, Batman v Superman was kind of loosely based on, I think. I mean, there's a lot of the same elements in, in that movie from this comic, this graphic novel. Okay, it says here, Grizzled, grizzled Batman go up against new mob of villains as well as facing down Superman himself. Sure, his main costume is a stunning adaption from the graphic novel, but it's the armor he uses later that we love. To ensure he could go head-to-head with a man of steel, Bruce used a used a power armor that could withstand Superman's strength as well as enhance his own fighting skills. The solid costume ultimately gave him the edge over the Kryptonian and gave Bruce the time he needed to fake his death. Yeah, if you haven't seen the the... The Dark Knight Returns, there's actually two, it's a two-part movie, um, part one and part two, they're two full-length movies, and uh, absolutely great. The comic book is even better, but if, if you want to watch the animated movies, you can find them, I think, pretty much anywhere uh, you can rent or buy videos online, so like, you know, iTunes and... Google Play and Amazon, I'm sure I'll have it. If nothing else, you should be able to find them on DC Universe. I'm pretty sure I saw them in there. Um, I should probably go look, but you know, I'm sure they're there. Nothing else, rent the movies on video on demand someplace and and watch them. They're great. Number two on the list, Christian Bale. I knew he was going to be here someplace. I'm kind of bummed that he's number two. I think he should be hired up on the the list. I think he, sh- I think honestly, I think um, I think um, Keaton should be number two. I think those two should be swapped. This is what it says here, though. Our penultimate pick for our bat suit list might be a little obvious, but when it comes to to showing how Bruce ev- evolves his suit. To meet his combat needs, Christopher Nolan managed managed it perfectly. From his first proto-costume, we saw him infiltrate the GCPD during Batman Begins, to the upgraded cow armor, which lets Bruce finally turn his head in a fight, the armor plating that adds he adds during the Dark Knight gives the Cape Crusader a, a tactical look. Of course, billionaire billionaire vigilante would use experimental military Kevlar suits in his war on crime. Obviously, Christian Bale's Bruce has plenty of gadgets at his disposal, but with his bat suit, his projectile gauntlets are an excellent addition, especially when he uses them on Heath Heath Ledger's Joker. Bale's Batman uh, brought a semi-realistic version of of the character to life and undoubtedly had an incredible impact on this superhero genre. And I'll give it that. I'll give it that. I, 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 there was a lot of things I didn't like about that movie. Um, and most of it had to do with Christian Bale's depiction of Batman. I didn't, I really didn't care for the realistic look of Batman because Batman is a straight up comic book superhero. You can't get around that. Although uh, Christian Bale's Batman really tried, I I I know this is an unpopular 
opinion, but I, I, I'm not a fan of that version of Batman. Now, number one, however, I definitely agree with it being number one. Number one on this list is Batfleck. Finally, we come to Batfleck. When he first arrived um, in Batman v Superman, Donna Justice, the star delivered audiences an incredible veteran version of the Cape Crusader. His suit brought the gray costume back to life. Uh, gray costume, black cape to life, complete with the huge bat symbol on his chest inspired by the Dark Knight Returns. The first time we see Affleck's Batman is haunting as he propped up in the corner of a of a room, hiding from the police. From that moment on, fans were given a truly brilliant Batman who is occasionally dismissed, who's occasionally dismissed thanks to the Martha of it all. <laughs> but the warehouse fight in the finale is easily the best live-action Batman fight of all time. The fluidity of his movements alongside his brutal fighting style is second to none. Then, of course, there's the live-action version of the Dark Knight Returns suit. The metallic suit looked incredible on the big screen, and Bruce Bruce's fight with Superman was sight to behold. It's a shame it didn't last long, but it easily proved an old that an old bat can learn new tricks. While we wait for Bruce Wayne's return in Matt Reeves the Batman Oh, it goes on to saying tell us what you think, you know. But I don't know, I I'm I'm excited to see Ben Affleck as Batman again, I really am because I, I, you know, it 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 was hard for me to admit that I, I think he's probably my favorite Batman. Because for the longest time, it was Michael Keaton. Actually, it was Kevin Conroy first. Kevin Conroy will always be my Batman, and then Michael Keaton, and then everybody else can go home. <laughs> um. But, yeah, I think uh, Ben Affleck's Batman is probably my favorite. Because that fight scene, oh my god, was fucking amazing. It was like it was like watching a live-action reenactment of the Arkham video game fights. Oh my god, it was awesome. Actually, I kind of want to watch it now. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I, I you know I think that is probably the, they're correct in that I think um, I don't I don't know I, I I I'm I'm torn in 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 the Christian Bale Batman being number two on this list I think there should be I think I think two and five should be swapped I think that Michael Keaton should be number two. In fact, I, I'd even go as far as saying that uh, Christian Bale should be like number eight on the or number ten on the list. It should be like the the least great one. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased because I I fucking hated that voice. No, sounded like he was trying to start up a Harley Davidson whenever he talked. I don't know. All right, next story. Next story. Story. Close that. Bring this over here. Alright. Next story is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Cancelled by Netflix. Final episodes to debut later this year. I am like legit bummed that this show has gotten cancelled. Um... You know, I always thought it'd be awesome if they did a crossover with uh, Riverdale, but I don't see that happening now. Unless, unless, unless the CW decides to bring Sabrina into Riverdale, which that would be awesome. I would love to see that. This is what the article says here. This is this is on comicbook.com. TV's Archieverse of shows just got a heartbreaking update. On Wednesday, Netflix announced that The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina will be ending on, Net on Netflix in after two seasons. 
which have been split into four parts. The final eight episodes of the series are expected to, to debut on the streaming service later this year, with that Netflix dubs a spooky, sexy, and supernatural series finale. Over the course of Part 4's eight episodes, the Eldritch Terrors will descend upon Greendale. The Coven uh, must fight each terrifying uh, threat one by one. The weird, the returned, the darkness to name a few. All leading up to the Void, which is the end of all things. As the witches wage war with the help of the Fright Club, Nick begins to slowly earn his way back into Sabrina's heart. But will it be too late? I don't know, man. I'm I'm bummed that it's getting, it got canceled, but I'm glad we're getting more episodes. I'm not entirely shocked that it's it's gotten canceled, though. I mean, it it was pretty. It, the show was the show has has had a lot of uh, a lot of hate towards it, but I really enjoyed it. And as I usually tell you guys, if you've been listening to this podcast, every episode I post links to the stories that I'm talking about. So if you want to read them yourself, and you, you, or you, my stumbling through the words kind of annoys you and you want to see for yourself, um, you can go to notes.206geek.com and see the notes for the current episode, as well as all the other episodes that I've done so far. All right, the next story on the list of things to talk about here is the Umbrella Academy faces the apocalypse again. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen this. I need maybe I should go back and rewatch this. Uh, I remember liking it. Season two, the Umbrella Academy season two trailer is here. The sophomore season of of the show hits Netflix on July thirty first. Frankly, season two looks. As batshit crazy as season one, uh, the Hargreaves children stop the apocalypse in season one, kinda. Five, five used his powers to remove the Hargreaves from the current timeline. The problem is, it seems that they all end up in different places, and there is another problem. It seems that the apocalypse and the commission has followed them. Okay. And then it has a link to the trailer. Um, I'm not going to play that right now. I'll, I'll, you know, because I don't have this, I don't have my setup right for, <sighs> my other channel is busted, so I can't plug in anything to play audio. I could probably import it, but that would mean having to stop, import it, and then start again. I don't want to do that, so. I'm going to go ahead and suggest if you want to check out the trailer, you can just you can probably go to YouTube and search for the Umbrella Academy trailer, Season 2. Or you can just go to notes.206geek.com and check it out from there. All right. All right, looks like Sly, or Sylvester Stallone, Dude, I back in the nineties, I was on the set of one of his movies being filmed in Seattle, and he walked right past me. I'm five foot ten ish, I think, because I'm I've gotten fat over the years. I think maybe that's kind of I don't know, maybe not. I'm just thinking. I used to. I think I used to be like five eleven, but that could have also just been the the, the shoes I was wearing made me just an inch taller. <laughs> And I think that's what he does, man. I think he wears shoes that have like an internal platform that give him like two or three inches of height. Because when he walked past me, he was like, his the top of his head was at my eye level. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, they do some really, really cool stuff with like camera angles in his movies because he always looks like he's tall. 
either that or everybody he works with is a little person, so makes him look tall. Or he never you never see him standing in full frame next to somebody who is tall. Like next time you watch like the Expendables, do you ever see him and still him and Schwarzenegger standing side by side, like ten feet behind away from the camera, so you can see them like head to toe standing next to each other? No, I'm pretty sure every time you see them together, it's from the waist up, and that allows for uh, Stallone to stand on an apple box or some other platform so he looks taller. He's short. He's really short. This is what it says here on this story on comicbook.com. Last fall, Sylvester Sloan brought Rambo back to the big screen. In what was supposed to be the final film in the franchise, Rambo Last Blood. However, fans may not have seen the last of the iconic John Rambo. At least if what Stallone is teasing on social media ends up being more than a tease. Stallone recently took to Instagram to encourage fans to check out the extended cut of Rambo Last Blood, and in his caption noted that he could be back, suggesting that the fans might get a Rambo 6. I don't know, man. I I, ha- I haven't even seen Last Blood. I think the last one I saw was from like ten years ago. I may have to actually check out Last Blood. <laughs> Fucking Stallone, man. <laughs> man, I it, no, I don't get me wrong. I like him. In a lot of movies. I think he's a funny guy. When he's able to be funny. Um, but he's like in his 70's now. Maybe it's time for him to re- to retire the action hero. And let like other people. Like The Rock. And, and Vin Diesel. And Jason Statham. To kind of take on the action hero mantle. For a bit time for him to retire all right and got like three more things to talk about before the end of this episode which might get this episode to go a little long so ready player one sequel ready player two to hit this november cover revealed so now this is talking about the book it's not talking about a movie i'm hope i'm thinking it's i I can't imagine they'd be doing a movie this soon This is what it says here. It's been nearly a decade since Ready Player One hit bookstores back in 2011. In that time, the book managed to explode and bring in readers and gamers alike. It was a novel that celebrated fan culture like no other mainstream book had before it. And in many ways, it is... It is... Do they never proofread this shit? It is, it is also great, a great entry into the world of the LIT RPG novels, which tend to feature characters hopping into a game world, and of course, we can't mention Ready Player One without bringing up the Steven Spielberg film. Well, I didn't. It didn't quite capture the essence of the novel. It was a fun, unique take on the story. Also co-written by the book's author, Ernest Klein. The movie felt more like an opportunity to do a second draft of a story concept. It was close enough to to be recognizable, but had enough changes made so it felt like it's its own thing. But for for those wondering when we'd be able to visit or revisit that world in the novel form, you need not wait. Ready Player One will be hopping back into the Oasis in a brand new sequel novel. Quite appropriately, quite appropriately, the book will be called Ready Player Two. Okay. I definitely want to to uh, get this. 
And I'm hoping they turn it into a movie because I loved the movie. I bought it. <laughs> I also bought the audiobook so I could hear the actual story versus the movie because I knew that there was differences because people complained about the movie being different. And you know what? I see that as a good thing because it gives you a reason to read the book or listen to the audiobook. And it gives you two different stories that kind of have some similarities. I don't think it's a bad thing because honestly, who, who wants to, um, who wants to have the same exact thing that's in the book, in the movie? It gives you a reason to read the book. I don't know. A lot of people shit on it when they, they change things up in the movies, but you know what? Sometimes it's, it's, it's easier or maybe it's for the best in some ways. I don't know. I think that, um, People just need to fucking relax because it's it's they're fictional characters, folks. Okay, they're talking about fictional characters, fictional characters. Am I am I getting through to you at all? You're getting through to me, okay, just fine, Ben. But you know, some people just you know have to complain about things because they got nothing better to do with their time. All right, so this next story was basically, I guess, some promo images from the the Batwoman. Uh, excuse me, not Batwoman, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, okay, so it's it, it's basically a... Uh, it's from an Instagram account for Daniel Reitman. Daniel RPK. At Daniel RPK on Instagram says here the new images surface on Twitter showing or maybe that's Twitter not Instagram that's Twitter Der. it looked like Instagram I'm sorry at Daniel RPK on Insta on I did it again on Twitter yes that's it the new images surfaced on Twitter showing Diana against a purple and orange glow with a neon version of the hero symbol behind her, honoring the 80s setting up for the sequel. Another image also shows Gal Gadot's heroes stood in her gold eagle armor with the sun behind her. The top right image seems to suggest that the new promo images come from a Wonder Woman 1984 calendar. Take a look below. Full details on the on Wonder Woman 1984 plot have been kept under wraps, but the film is said to follow Gal Gadot's Diana Prince as she comes into conflict with a formal new ad adversary named Cheetah and a businesswoman, excuse me, businessman named Maxwell Lord. Wonder Woman has has excuse me, Wonder Woman was last seen in Zack Snyder's DC superhero team-up movie, Justice League. Directed by Patty Jenkins from this script, she co-wrote with David Callingham and a treatment she developed with Jeff Johns. The film stars Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, uh, Pedro Pascal, Natasha Rothwell, Ravi Patel, Gabrielle Wilde, Connie Nelson, and Robin Wright. Wonder Woman 1984 is currently scheduled to release in theaters on October 2nd, 2020. Stay tuned for the latest news, blah, blah, blah. All right. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I really wish they would just go ahead and release it in digital like everybody else. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just me being impatient and really wanting to see the movie before the end of the year. All right, the last story here was Dante Basco reveals Rufio origin movie in the works. Let's see. Talking with Collider Games, Basco says, we're in, develop we're in development for something that's Rufio-based. It's out there. We'll be pitching soon. I can't really talk about it, but it's, an origin story of Rufio and it would be 
It would be animated. I would uh, come back to voice the character. Let's put it like that. Okay, that's... And then it just shows like a bunch of images and stuff from the Hook movie. You know what? That'd be cool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing a a, uh, a Rufio movie because Rufio was pretty damn cool. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to this this impromptu episode of the Two Hundred Six Geek. Be sure to check out me over at GetVocal.com. That's G E T V O K L dot com slash channel slash Two Hundred Six Geek. That tomorrow at four PM Pacific time. Come in, come in into the chat room and chat up with me while I'm talking about things. And uh, if I if I get enough people in there chatting, maybe I'll just pick topics from you guys. Otherwise, I'll just do what I normally do, which is go onto my feedly list and find some cool stories to talk about, and then I'll talk for an hour. Sometimes a little longer. I think that bat suit thing went a little longer than I thought it was going to. All right, so I will see you guys uh, tomorrow at 4 p.m. If Pacific. If you are going to tune in, great. If not, um, it should also be um, available after it's done streaming as a uh, archive on the site. And I think I'll also stream it on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch as well. So um, I'll be posting links to everything on the Facebook page. Um, along with today's episode links. And I will talk to you guys next time. Take care. Bye. And as always, if you want to see any of the, of the stories that I talked about, you can go to notes.206geek.com and you'll see the notes for the current episode listed there. That's notes. 206geek.com